Welcome to the Details of Life, Episode 5, with your host, Marcus Wilson. I am Marcus Wilson. I just got to thank you guys because earlier in the week, I asked you guys to help me get over 5,000 views on YouTube. And sure enough, here we are at 5,140 views going into this episode. This is being recorded right now on a Saturday. So by the time you listen to this, we might be well over that. So thank you for supporting. Uh, like I said, I didn't know what to expect, uh, what type of support. So it's just really overwhelming and I'm, I'm grateful for you guys. But just want to preface, you know, I got to give a shout out to my man, uh, Casey over at St. Louis Christian uh, for allowing me to record in his office. Uh, I was out of studio space and I was at a jam and you know what? Friends stepped up. So you're going to see some St. Louis Christian jerseys hanging in the background with me and Ose. Um, and then right now I'm in a hotel room. I'm traveling. You know, I'm in uh, Evansville to uh, give back. It was back here working, doing something in my university. So, you know. Hey, got to give another shout out to the Cold Stairs. They're going to be coming on here. Many of you from Evansville know them. The That really funky intro and outro music that you hear, that's them. You know, they've been traveling to Vegas and uh, going all around Memphis and all that. So got to give a shout out to them for allowing me to use their music. Uh, just want to give a thanks, give thanks to my friends because stuff like this doesn't happen alone. It's not just me. It's people that's coming on, sacrificing their time, people giving up their space, allowing me to record. And, you know, you guys for liking and sharing and telling other people to tune in and listen. So, Thank you to all of you guys, and thank you for helping us be successful. With that said, going in, uh, today's guest is, uh, like I said, we wanted to get away from just doing only sports figures. We're going to start diversifying who's all on the show. And today we bring in uh, worldwide, when I say worldwide, he's from, uh, well, has been, uh, spent a lot of time in Ghana, um, has African roots, uh, great DJ in Washington, D.C., Atlanta, St. Louis, now back in Atlanta, doing some international uh, flavor, bringing some international flavor to, to the Atlanta market. Ose, the dark secret. You know, a lot of you guys are going to recognize his voice as soon as you hear him. He's got a really unique voice and just really one of the best DJs around, in my opinion. Or maybe I'm just biased, but I think he's really good. And I think you, once you hear him, you're going to be able to put the name of the face if you didn't know who he was. So uh, we cover a lot of topics here, you know, more than just your average and, like I said, stepping away from sports. So I think it'll be something that you're going to enjoy. So without any further ado, Ose, the dark secret, Kwaku. All right, all right, man. My, uh, my next guest on today's podcast, old friend of mine, many of you may know him from multiple cities across the country, St. Louis, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, man, worldwide known <laughs> DJ right here, uh, multiple titles, which we're going to get into all that. My man, I would say Quaker, how you doing? I'm sir? blessed, brother. What's yeah. up, man? Marcus. Appreciate you making it in town today, man. Thank you, man. So we're going to get into that. You know, Osei was working here. We really connected mm. on a lot of things, trying to get uh, some initiatives in the in the community here. Mm. And now he has since went back to Atlanta. And so, uh, man, but before we get into your DJ, I'd like people to get to know, you know, where you're from and what you're doing. And so, man, where, where are you from? I, I, I know you got African roots, but tell the people where you're from. Um, so I was actually born in Ontario, Canada place called Kitchener. Uh, my mother lives in Toronto. Uh, I was raised in the U.S., uh, Cleveland, uh, the Midwest, you know, moving through there, uh, Toledo. Uh, I went to high school, well, went to high school in Cleveland and uh, went to college in Virginia on the East Coast. So I went to Hampton University, which is an okay. HBCU. Uh, and, you know, essentially, I, I, I like to consider myself as, uh, I like to think that the ancestors sent me a little differently. Um, you know, I can kind of relate the experience of being 
um, African American in a bit of a different way through a different lens because yeah. of my upbringing. Yeah. So my stepmother is from um, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, her family was from um, Liberty, Mississippi, and Pittsburgh. And so the only grandfather I've ever known uh, is a man by the name of Obie McKnight, who was from Liberty, Mississippi, and really taught me a lot. Uh, just overall, but it kind of helped to kind of mesh my experiences together. My family being first generation, us, you know, being first generation in this country, I was uh, raised a little bit differently. So I think it gave me a bit of a different perspective. Yeah, so I, and I know just from our history, but man, you know, where did the name, the dark secret come from? I think mm -hmm. a lot of people, they recognize that when they hear it, it's like, oh, sad, and they, oh, the dark secret. So how did that come about? Why'd you decide to go with that name? Uh, it's kind of like a, a play on words. Obviously, I'm dark skinned, but you know, I, I always have felt that um, being a person of color wasn't necessarily the most popular thing. And I think even among people of color, you know, being dark sometimes can be something that you know we shy away from because of our history. And I feel like the secret is definitely in the melanin, and the secret goes, you know, back to the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. And you know, at the time that I chose it, you know, I. I I wanted to be able to maintain my name, but add something that made you curious, made you wonder. Right. And I felt like, okay, this would work. But as I got to understand and moving through life, understanding, you know, about the secret, understanding the law of attraction, I saw things that just resonated with me. And I was like, well, this is what I've been trying to do, but I didn't understand and know how to articulate it at that time. Yeah. And so um, it was always something, you know, clever. Obviously, you know, the ladies always liked it, but, it, you know. <laughs> that counts. Yeah, it, it definitely counts. It definitely counts. Uh, but, you know, it, it's definitely, it definitely has a deeper meaning. And it was really about getting in tune with myself. Uh, a lot of things, and, and one of the things I think is important for me to share is that I struggle with embracing my culture um, coming to this country at a young age. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was forever a part of my destiny to ensure that I embraced that and I spoke about it wherever I went, that I used the voice that God gave me to make sure I articulate these things. You know, to some people in Africa, uh, or in, in my own country, I may not be African enough because of how I was raised. And right. to other people, you know, here, I was never American, yeah. no matter what I tried to do. But understanding who you are in the context and the grand scheme of what the world is and what God's purpose is for you, I think is the most important clarity that you can come to. Nice. That's real, man. And I know like one thing I would add to that is I love the fact that you, the name, the dark secret, you took what was at the time growing up in the Midwest, dark skinned brother, what was used to possibly degrade you. You use that word to empower you, which is yeah. now what exactly. you're known for. Right? Exactly. So I really, once, yeah. you know, we talked about that before, so I wanted people to know, yeah. you know, that, that you, you, you yeah. took the power away from other people and gave yourself power, which was once an insult, and now it's a worldwide name, man. So I respect that. Yeah. Um, Thank you. So let's let, let's go into, man, you know, so how did you get to St. Louis? I know, but like, man, what was your pathway to get to St. Louis? And then we'll take off into what you're doing next. So I had stepped away from broadcasting for a number of years and was focused more on the music side of the industry. Uh, as a manager, executive type, uh, you know, that's the pathway I was on. I got a couple artists signed along the way, but music is definitely, um, those are some treacherous waters uh, when you dive in and you learn a lot. And so I had stepped away and had, you know, a number of opportunities to kind of come back to radio. And so St. Louis was one of the uh, options that kind of came about at that time. And I had worked with a gentleman who was here, James Robinson, shout out to James. 
and also Kathy Brown. She had been my boss in DC, you know, and definitely loved working with uh, KB. So it seemed like the circumstances were just set up, you know, right. And I ended up taking this opportunity and came to St. Louis. Another reason why I wanted to come here was, you know, there's a, a legendary um, radio personality and radio executive now named Doc Winter who came to the station. And that was one of the reasons that made me say, you know what, he came through here. I want to come through there as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, there was something about it that allowed him to go on to his next opportunity. And when they say, if you can make it in St. Louis, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> Dang <line. Right. laughs> So I understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's what it was. And I came from Atlanta to St. Louis, uh, took this opportunity. It was definitely, you know, a challenge um, and, and in some ways very much a struggle because in radio, going market to market, you know, depending on what brand that you're working with, you know, no matter what the company is, every, every company has to have their brand established in that market, or else it doesn't mean anything. And right. so, um, you know, it was a struggle for us because there's some, some stiff competition here that we were up against. And, you know, I just came in and just, you know, put in work, which is how, you know, really we met. And, you know, it's really all about no matter where you're at in the world, I always tell people this, radio is like the last frontier, the last connection that people have, or the most connectivity that they'll get when it comes to having an organic relationship. And so radio to me is all about the community. Yeah. And you know, that's what it was with us. Yeah, I can, I can vouch for that, man. So to give some people some more context. So <clears throat> one of the things I always try to do in terms of building relationships is I try to I try to give, give, give as much as I can. And then when I do need something, I rarely have to ask because I've helped people. And so uh, people are often kind of taken aback by that, especially I've seen not just in St. Louis, but just in general, because people are like, man, what, what are you trying to get out of this? What do you want? And so I, I can vouch that Ose did that for me when we were uh, working uh, together here. He reached out, heard about what I was doing. We was connected through another mutual friend, uh, Theo. Shout out to Theo for up, Theo? connecting us and all that. So. Uh, and then he was like, man, I just want to help you get the word out of what you're doing at the Wild, love what you're doing in the community. Hey, come on on the radio station. Come on up. Just talk about what you're doing. And no questions asked. And I was like, man, like, this is too good to be true. Why, why, is, why is this brother doing so much to help? But, man, we kind of like, like-minded like like that, man. We got to lift each other up, help each other. If somebody's doing something good for the community, let's get the word out. And let's try to work together and collaborate on doing it. So, you know, we did that. And uh, very community oriented base because you know that's how I, I feel like you get your your brand out so well it's like you, you you out there in the streets I'm not talking about running the streets hustling or nothing but out there with the people knowing what's going on connecting and building relationships so then they're like man I want to support this brother I, he was just with me yesterday at the at the joint at the party I threw at the community event that I threw and so man it's been been great uh establishing relationships on that level so then you know transition came Went back to Atlanta, and uh, from from what I know right now, yeah. I know you're doing something right now that ain't, that's, that's never been done, uh, doing something with the international flavor in Atlanta. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, man. So the international movement, you know, and I, I specifically, we started calling it that back then. Uh, we were like the first on the radio, uh, on the national level, kind of promoting this type of party. And what that party was, was Afrobeat, dance hall, hip hop, um, 
the reggae, top 40, just a mashup of music. And it was called African City. So this had never been done before. And it was really about pushing the whole concept of Africa, more from mm -hmm. a Pan-African perspective versus your country and all this other stuff. And it was super successful and it really caught the attention of many people, you know, across the country and around the world. And we, I was, I was breaking a lot of the Afrobeat artists, even on terrestrial radio, when a lot of people thought it was reggae mm -hmm. because they didn't really understand. But there's so many sounds even within that and so many more to come. And, you know, it started with me introducing a, a, a artist by the name of Kid to Akon and, you know, encouraging Akon to really get behind this because I said this is the next movement and at that time it was early and I think that sometimes you can be uh, a little early in your vision and you know it's just not right. aligned at that moment yeah and so that was a that's that was a maturing moment that was a sobering moment too because I was so hard pressed and I really you know even how I got into broadcasting I was a psych pre-med major but I hustled my way up and mm -hmm. so sometimes you can be effortless so so like I need your backup on that yeah. So you was a what major? Oh, psychology pre-med major in school. Man, hey. Yeah. I, 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 I know I would have flunked that. I know another story. I'm not on that, brother, but anyway. I'm not, and, and I'll be honest, man, I, I feel like my talents, you know, um, I was a decent student. Mm -hmm. um, and I could have been a lot greater. I think, you know, I was a big dreamer, and I have been since I was a kid, and I'm now seeing the manifestation of things that I've dreamed about for a long time coming together. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times with people, it can be a little difficult because we're so hell-bent on how we want our ideas to um, flourish that sometimes we don't release them and really give it up to God and let him, yeah. you know, really you have to take some, 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 some faith steps, some yeah. jumps, some leaps that you know, you don't know how it's gonna, you know, happen. And I think one of those leaps for me was coming to St. Louis. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have ended up back in Atlanta in the capacity that I did had I not come here. Yeah. But I was kind of submitting, and you know, I really prayed on it. And you know, it was it was a tough, uh, it was a tough matriculation, I'd say. But I graduated, mm -hmm. and I was here four years. Yeah. So a lot like going through school. So to speak, a lot of times, you know, and, and you know, just a sidebar for a minute. A lot of times, I hear people say that uh, you don't need to go to school. You don't, you know, you're, you're not learning anything in school uh, in in 2020, especially when you talk about the debt and everything else. Yeah. I don't think that school is always about the formal education you receive. I think it's about the social interactions you're able to achieve yeah. because you're meeting a lot of different people from various backgrounds, and you're taught how to interact with a lot of different people who may or may not be like you. Yeah. And, you know, depending on how you adjust to that education is going to really reflect in how you move through life. Yeah. And so, you know, with that understanding, you know, I majored in it, you know, my father's a physician. I, I wasn't necessarily, um, you know, always on top, necessarily focused, but I had my plan. I had yeah. a vision and I executed that. And so a lot of people that I went to school with were like, how the hell did you have all this success in broadcasting, but that was because I know that you're not gonna outwork me. Right. You know, and that's, you know, in anything that if I decide I'm gonna do this, you know, I'm gonna hustle and I'm gonna figure it out. And, you know, I just think I applied that attitude and that's how I was able to have success and find yeah. success in broadcasting. Man, I, I wanna double down on what you said. I went to the University of Evansville and uh, Evansville at the time has gotten more diverse now, but even back then, uh, many of my classes, I was the only African-American in the class. And at the time it was hard, mm -hmm. but now looking back, 
on how I've uh, been a part of different uh, movements and led different businesses. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can't if you can't relate to and lead different demographics of people, you're never going to be a leader. You will never. Uh, be a leader. You know, you can only very few people thrive only serving one demographic, right? And so, you know, now I know how to. I tell people all the time, I can walk into the hood, into a house of a single mom with eight kids mm -hmm. and relate because mm -hmm. I grew up in a. I grew up in a poor environment. I'm the youngest mm -hmm. of 15 kids. Mm -hmm. I can also walk into a room with a room full of millionaires, mm -hmm. white millionaires, and I'm the only black person in the mm -hmm. room, and I don't feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. College taught me that. That was, mm -hmm. like you said, it wasn't the formal education. Mm -hmm. It was the social aspect that made me more well-rounded. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely agree with that, brother. Um, so tell me, man, you know, so what's on the horizon for you, man? Tell me, like, how is, I know you're doing that with international flavor. Sure. Atlanta has a much bigger international market than St. Louis, so I can imagine it's going to be more successful there than it is here just because you have more, first yeah. of all, you have triple the size of the city in terms sure. of population and more uh, uh, people from different areas of the world, African roots and stuff. So how is that turning out for you, man? You have a successful threat? Absolutely. I think um, Atlanta is an amazing city. It's a rare gem on a global level in terms of what uh, is happening there and even for people of color just from a global standpoint in terms of them having a lot of political influence mm -hmm. and economic influence. So. When you are able to observe, observe all of this, you can't help but be inspired. And Atlanta, again, has been a godsend. So was St. Louis. And I look forward to connecting, you know, um, ATL and STL yeah. and really uh, doing a lot of things that I began here. One of the things, the challenges, I think, in St. Louis is obviously, you know, it's a lot more polarized in terms of the racial component. But I think right. that when you're engaging people who really get it, um, regardless of their ethnicity, that's the beauty. And those yeah. people are really pushing the region forward. And, and I got to shout out Leadership St. Louis, man. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. and, and uh, you know, Yemi Akande for, you know, her leadership um, is amazing. And it taught me a lot. And like you said, being able to be a leader, no matter what the demographic you're involved in, you know, for me, I, I lived as far away as Saskatoon, Saskatchewan for a couple of years of my life. And I was the only brother for many miles. Yeah, miles. Okay, <laughs> yeah, many miles, and that was a real uh, sobering and, and eye-opening experience because I was able to just learn a different aspect of life at that moment in mm -hmm. my life. And I think that all those things, kind of like the sum total of who you are, those experiences start to add up. Yeah. And as you move, you know, you know, later in life, navigating and being in different rooms. You know, you, I learned to develop a, a sense of diplomacy very early on because I didn't have all my cousins and my whole family everywhere. So, you know, you go into the hood, you, you need to come, you know, with your arms open yeah. and not look menacing because, yeah. <laughs> you know, certain things can leave you in a very compromised state of uh, affairs if right. you don't know how to engage and move around and talk. And I mean, I feel like I'm comfortable with lions and lambs and I feel like, <laughs> I like that. that was an experience, you know, just kind of growing up. And my father, as a, as a physician, served, um, you know, in, in, in uh, our community where we were underserved in right. many ways. And sometimes, you know, being that element, you know, black people, we can be, we're hard on each other, yeah. let alone, you know, the world at large and what we experience. So uh, I feel like, you know, what I'm doing now is I'm moving in purpose. 
And for me, moving in purpose is how can I serve? You know, mm -hmm. service is what it's really all about, no matter what you're doing. And if you're not serving in any capacity, then you're not really adding value yeah. or leaving value in yeah. any places that you go. And, you know, whether that's, you know, mentorship of, of, of younger adults, uh, whether that's, you know, what you give to the community, you know, you can't just be a taker out here. And when you say give, I want to clarify, that's not just giving money. No. That could be giving your time. Absolutely. That could be giving money. Yeah. That could be giving your knowledge, imparting it down to the younger generation. Absolutely. So sometimes when people say give, they're like, I, I ain't got nothing to give. I'm, I'm sure you got something to give. I have. Uh, we all everybody do. has something to give. Absolutely. So it, it, and it's funny you say that because, you know, uh, you know, you can check us out on V103 International as well. Um, I do a show there and I interview Akon. Um, and we were talking about that and his thoughts on charity and, you know, charity versus welfare. And, like he believes in welfare, but spoke a little bit more about just, you know, throwing money at things as yeah. opposed to really getting involved and, you know, figuring out how do you make a difference? Because a lot of times people who stroke the check, you know, they have the peace of mind to say, I did this, but mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean it's impacting, yeah. you know what I mean? And we see a lot of charities that, you know, function like that. And that doesn't change the spirit of what giving is, man. You know, you get the energy that you're willing to put out. So I try to make sure I relax my mind and not, um, I'm not looking at people from a place of judgment yeah. and trying to figure out what they're going to do with this or how they handled it. That's not my job right. to police them. My job is to do what the spirit called me to do, which is here, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you. You know, saying that what you do with it is yeah, on you. On you, right. you know what I'm saying? And I think that, you know, especially when you talk about hip hop and being a product of hip hop, I think that the philanthropic side of hip hop is just now starting to manifest. Mm -hmm. So we're just now learning how to give back. You know, yeah. a lot of times when they say the game is to be sold, not to be told, we yeah. use all these clever terms <laughs> and, and phrases to really not share because we, we weren't taught like that. We yeah. weren't taught like that coming out of slavery. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, people wonder and they, you know, when you talk about the greater construct of racism and everything else, a lot of times people say just move on. But you're not given tools to just move on. If you're not talking through, that's what therapy is. Mm -hmm. You talk through yeah. your trauma. Yeah. But for so long, we suppress it, which is why I think that we have black on black crime and things like that. We're frustrated with a lot of things and we ended up taking it out on each other and we're not necessarily yeah, knowing how to work together. Yeah. I feel like there's only so much to get. So it's either mine or yours. It's right? a lack mentality. Yeah, and there's yeah. plenty. I mean, if you, if you fly across this country, that's one of the biggest uh, misconceptions about uh, life is that there's not enough. There's plenty. We all choose to come. I don't even know how you can be racist and choose to come to a big city as if right. you're only going to see people you want to see. It doesn't right. work like that. Work. We're all congregating in the same places. We all coexist and we all need each other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And in, in, in taking it a step further, uh, God has a plan even for North Korea, even if you don't like them. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I say that just, you know, you can't just get people up out of here and think that the world just keeps moving. It yeah. doesn't work like that. We all have to coexist. And that's really the bigger lesson for all of us in learning how we work through all these different things. And you do have to let go of traumatic things and figure out how do you move past it and how do you work past it. But again, those those skills have to be taught to us and we have to channel our energy no different than, you know, hey, you could be, you know, Big Meech. So if he's running BMF, he could certainly be running Coca-Cola because yeah. he understands how to run large corporate yeah. structures. You yeah. know what I mean? Man, uh, two things. Uh, number one is, I think one of the reasons you see cities like Atlanta, New York City, uh, Houston thriving is because they embrace diversity better 
and they work with multiple groups of people. We in St. Louis, so no no disrespect to St. Louis, but I think a lot of St. Louis is to tell you they don't mess with outsiders too much. You got to mm-hmm. really earn the respect to get mm-hmm. in. And so, therefore, it makes it like if you think about it as a pie, St. Louis population isn't growing at the rate of like Atlanta or Nashville or Houston. So therefore, to some extent, there's a limited number of dollars. People know the philanthropists. If if you want to start a project, there's several millionaires and there's people that you know who to go to. And so therefore, I think that's why people feel like it's me or you because I got to get to him first. I need him to be that source. Whereas a city like Atlanta, you got multiple millionaires moving in constantly. So therefore, the pie doesn't stay the same size. It keeps growing. So people can get in and get their own slice without taking a piece of someone else's. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes when you get into smaller cities and smaller mindsets, like, oh, we're not going to mess with you because you're an outsider. Sure. Well, that outsider could have brought some value, could have brought some resources, could have brought some money to the table to let everybody eat. Right. So I did did need to say that. That's one thing that bothered me, but uh, that I see in some of these smaller minded, it's not even just cities, but just uh, thought processes. But going back to what you said about Akon, I know I've, uh, man, last year, we talked about this before, but last year was the year of return mm. to Africa, right? And mm-hmm. so I know a lot of people that say, man, I want to go back to the motherland. I want to mm-hmm. do this and this and that. With you being from Ghana uh, and going going around and being in different parts of Africa, man, what would a, a typical American, white or black, but uh, what would a typical American, let's just say an African-American right now, expect? What, what should they expect? Because I think when I was growing up, and this was just me being a child watching on TV, it just looked like after the, the, the entire continent was poor. You know, mm-hmm. we saw the stereotypes of what the media said Africa was. Then, all of a sudden, you see Black Panther, and it's like, oh, that's Wakanda. Like, mm-hmm. is it like that? And so we've also seen, you know, people not working together well. And like you said, someone said, maybe you're not African enough. So what would an what would a African-American, what should they expect if they went to Africa and what different parts of Africa would you recommend? Like if I was planning a trip, uh, where would you say, man, this is where you would go. This is what you should expect. Uh, the good and the bad of it all. I think Africa is a beautiful experience from a spiritual standpoint for any person of color. Um, no matter where you are in the diaspora, you could be in Russia, you could be in Europe, you could be in North America. You could be in South America, but to go home to the continent, I think, is a spiritual experience because I think it's you connecting to your roots. It's like going to a family reunion and not knowing that you may have um, shown up as your own family reunion yeah. and seeing people that remind look like me you. Of, uh, when you said it reminded me of Tupac and Poetic Justice. Yeah. Justice, like, yo, cousin Lucky, yeah. family, right? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and you, that's the thing about kind of, I think, that side of it. And I think it's important. I think there's been a lot of, um, you know, miss mistruth spoken in terms of also uh, keeping us from tapping into who we are. You know what I mean? It's it's funny, man. Um, You know, you're talking about the year of return. I was, I was watching Harriet, the movie on the the flight and the slave owner, you know, Harriet told me there's a scene where she was getting ready to jump off the bridge and she said she'd choose death or freedom, either or. And, you know, he was trying to tell her it was a sin against God and all this. And I mean, she 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 rolled the dice yeah. real quick and was like I'm taking this leap yeah. and you know you have to respect that and I think that in understanding um, just 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 what it means you know to be you know to to have a free 
perspective and an open mind, you have to really kind of shed yourself of a lot of things that you were told and yeah. deconstruct a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, when they talk about the miseducation of the Negro, I think that that's all of that. True. You know what I mean? I think that it's uh, one, one thing that I think is a big root to some of the, what we call black on black crime. I don't, I don't use that term too often, but some of the crime that we, that we see is if you don't go do your own research, you will think that African-American history started with slavery, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, you, you would think that, you know, we came over here on boats and it was just that, and then, then it was slavery, and then now here we are, where mm -hmm. there's a lot more history. Mm -hmm. And like, I've done my 23andMe, or as many of you have done, Ancestry. And so one thing I see in other races and uh, uh, other people is the pride of, Man, I, my my great grandfather came here from Italy in the 1700s, and they they, they he worked this many jobs, and then he and then he finally saved some money and uh, bought this business, and then my then my great grandfather did this, and then, and they they have a timeline mm -hmm. to where there's a sense of pride of this is what my family has done. Mm -hmm. They started here, and they have gradually worked up to here, and now mm -hmm. I have this, and I have this to continue to uphold mm -hmm. because of my family namesake. Yeah. We don't have a whole lot of that. You very yeah. rarely hear people of African-American descent talking like that. And therefore, there's less pride in who you are, which therefore makes it easier to take another person's life or your own life because you don't feel the sense of pride that I see other uh, races and de demographics doing. With, you know yeah, what I'm saying? I agree. And I, I think, like, it's understanding you know, a sense of self. I mean, even in terms of, you know, one of the things you mentioned earlier about taking something negative, even the dark secret. Typically, that's a, you know, it's a play on something that's oh, it's gonna be bad. Nah, this is who I am. Yeah. When they say, "What's the dark secret?" You ask and you're looking at it. <laughs> right. This dark skin. I mean, let's start there. And I say the same thing. We've used a lot of terms to endear ourselves, even the N word. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it's a complex thing because now that it's infiltrated pop culture and everything else, you understand what it is. But you know, it's it's. It's us knowing who we are and also beginning to change our self-talk. Like, we're growing. You know what I mean? We, we started in this phase. Now we've got to eventually graduate yeah. to another phase. So we can't continue to do that. But that's what, that's what, that's what the English language, that's the funny thing about the language. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? What, what is bad boys? We know we, everybody loves the bad guy. Yeah. Everybody loves the bad guy. Yeah. Even when you talk about movies, every culture has come from the mud. Whether if you talking about like all this stuff when like and, and I have to put this perspective on it because while we're talking about what I do, I feel like a lot of people are really misinformed and they're like, well, if you guys wouldn't play this on the radio, no, we're playing what society wants. Yeah. Okay, and know that the music, a lot of the inspiration for the music, it's either art imitating life or you know life giving that inspiration. But oftentimes, gangster rap was born out of the Scarfaces, mm -hmm. the Godfather. This yeah. stuff didn't just come out of nowhere. Yeah. These brothers are taking these Italian names and they're making that the, 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 the epicenter of who they are. That's the crooks because they're watching this guy. You know what I'm saying? You're watching Tony Montana come up. Now, we, we forget that Tony also did a lot of uh, treacherous things to people <laughs> on his side, too. So right. you got to take the good with the bad. But we had to glorify what we know. And I feel like it's an understanding that we're constantly coming into. And by that, just like even saying how we grew into philanthropy, you see people like, you know, Jay and, you know, Meek Mill 
uh, the whole prison reform thing, drawing attention, like, what are you really doing with your platform? Yeah. And the same thing I have to ask myself, what am I really doing with this platform? So for me, it's about appealing to those in the diaspora. You might be in the diaspora here in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean just what you look like. It starts there, but it's also about what your mindset. So you could be, you know what I'm saying? white with an African-minded mindset because there's some people who are white who are going to encourage you to get, you know, understand your culture, know yeah. who you are. Yeah. And they're going to point you in that direction because they know it's important. Yeah. So at the same time, I mean, we come from a place where human beings aren't as evolved as we like to take credit for. Mm -hmm. We're very primitive because you can tell by the way we treat each other. Right. You see what I'm saying? We've treated each other in a very less than uh, humane manner all throughout history. Yeah. And so sometimes... You know, we're more prone to treating animals more on the level that you might expect us to treat. You yeah. See, you see that often. Often. I mean, it just is what it is. People have more of an affinity for a dog than they do for another human life. And I'm not saying that that dog's life isn't valuable at all, but it just, it's it's in, unfathomable that you could treat another person yeah. like we were used to or accustomed to treating them just because. So, I mean, it's, it's just food for thought and things that I think that we always have to be conscious of. Um, and, you know, I, I try to be mindful of these things because I'm treating other people, I'm engaging other people. Like, you know, some things just aren't that serious. And the things that we kind of we, we kind of put value on are the things that society at large yeah. has said this is valuable. Yeah. So we look at it this way and, you know, we all kind of gravitate in that direction. But no, nah, I mean, we're redefining it. This money, it might be bottle caps in a minute. We might not be using dollars. We might all have to go get red Coca-Cola bottle caps. And those become the most valuable possession on earth because that's what society right. deems, you right. know? Right. So, man, man, this is this is some good talk. For, I hope y'all learning something out there because this is... Uh, you I know, I go there sometimes. Like this. Uh, no, but it's good. It's good <laughs> for people to hear different perspectives and to hear people talk intelligently and about historical things and how it relates to today and everything. So, uh, so man, what's next on the horizon for you? I, I know you've moved around. You've been in D.C., uh, Atlanta to St. Louis, now back to Atlanta. I know that this international thing is taking off. What are some other things? I know you dabbled in producing music, but sure. what are some of the things that you think, where do you see the dark secret three years from now? Um, I look at myself as an African version of Ryan Seacrest, someone okay. who creates content, um, platforms and opportunities for other people. Uh, I want to be a content creator, both audio as well as visual. So I've been working on a couple things um, in the TV space, and I've had some opportunities presented to me that I didn't necessarily know were going to uh, unfold the way that they did. And so uh, I want to continue moving, you know, like as a host and things of that nature, a presenter in my lane, but also uh, I want to create content. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to produce, you know, TV, film, Okay. Um, documentaries and okay. things like that. So uh, I shot some footage for a documentary on, you know, what it is and what it means to be African and African-American uh, in, in 2020 mm -hmm. and kind of uh, giving a lens through what that would look like. But, you know, that's 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 the vein that I want to continue to grow in. So okay. I'm just kind of, you know, educating myself, getting better at my craft every day, um, you know, just networking, building with the right people. Uh, you know, sometimes we hear these songs, No New Friends, and all this stuff that we get to chanting and we get to wanting to believe. Like, li listen, music is there to entertain you. There's some great things to take from it. And then there's some things that, you know, you have to reevaluate. Yeah. And I know it sounds cool to say No New Friends, but if that's the that's case, the most ridiculous thing ever. we wouldn't have connected. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't meet <laughs> a lot of the people that I, and, and I know that I'm going to continue to meet on this journey because that's what life is about. I mean, and, No New Friends, I get 
a part of it. It's like, oh yeah, you're gonna Protect be more yourself. loyal to your day ones. Yeah, but to sit there and act like you. That's I mean, that's just ridiculous. But it's a mindset. And that's a why mindset. I love that we having this conversation to continue yeah. to grow uh, and, and to give education. Hopefully, people can can grow from this. Uh, man, a lot of things have happened in the last month. I was just in Atlanta last month. Well, no, what was that? Uh, yeah, it was January. last month. In January. So mm-hmm. I was just with say last month. A lot of things have happened since then. Uh, you know, we'll get to the All-Star Game and dunk contest, and maybe we can dive into Terry Crews and Gabrielle Union, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union and some mm-hmm. of the stuff with their kid. But, man, you know, just uh, I do want to get your opinion because I know, you're, you, know you like sports. And, you know, say I don't went and watched sports at many establishments uh, mm-hmm. throughout over the time, man. But, man, I know the loss of Kobe Bryant hit me hard. I, I couldn't even watch any of the tribute videos for it happened on that Sunday. And I couldn't even watch any of them until Thursday. Like, I was that hurt about it. Mm-hmm. Now, how did that impact you? Um, just, I like hearing, like, you know, I knew where I know where I was at. But, like, you know, how did, why do you think that affected so many people? And how did it affect you when you heard that news? Uh, I think it was just such a shock uh, for people on a lot of levels. Watching somebody like him, one, grow up in front of you, uh, almost feeling like, you know, you knew him, his yeah. family, so to speak. Uh, his spirit, his energy, um, who he was as a winner. Uh, I mean, he just embodied uh, so many great things that, you know, many people in America identify with, no matter what your background or nationality is. And he was a very global person, too. So, you know, you figured his upbringing um, and speaking multiple languages as well. Um, You know, there's just so many things that I think we as people connect to when we begin to see somebody and you see them on a regular basis and he was a winner you watched him grow up the highs the lows uh you know his trials and tribulations his relationship with Shaq I was really impressed with how Shaquille O'Neal spoke on him in in his uh death and just the relationship I discovered that they had despite it all you know and through it all and I felt like that was really dope through the kids through the kids and that was that says a lot you know what I mean that says a whole lot I think that um for me, it was like watching, you know, I, I likened it to seeing the space shuttle challenge when I was a kid. Yeah. It was almost like, it was almost unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Like, I know? can't believe it. Is this real right yeah. now? Yeah. Right. And, and it just lets you know how fragile life is and how to not take things for granted. Yeah. Because I'm sure they were going about their day. They were just trying to get to a game, as many people are. And also rest in peace to those volleyball players. I know they were recently killed here. Um, I can't think of their names, but... You know, you're going to do what you do around family, around the kids, and things of that nature. And you know, one moment you're here, and the next you're not. Yeah. So you can never quite tell, and you don't know how. And, and I realized how much he accomplished. Yeah. And what was really a short life. Yeah. He did a lot, a lot. And you know, it's interesting to see how. You know, I, I do believe that. You know, you're not gone. Your energy is just transferred. Yeah. And I think that. We saw a lot of that energy just moving differently on the other side. I think 2020 has been a really interesting year. It was a rough start. Yeah. January was a rough start oh, for a lot is. of people in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, man, uh, so I don't know, uh, you get a chance to watch the All-Star Game, dunk contest, stuff like so that. Saw a little bit. I didn't just, you know what, I, honestly, I've been working and grinding so hard. <laughs> yeah. I, I was trying to actually get to Chicago, and I had a couple um, connections and some business that I was trying to, you know, do, but I've been balancing it out. Like it, for myself personally, I worked through the holiday. Um, everything started to happen with this new opportunity really beginning in 
the end of September, beginning of October, mm-hmm. and it just started to take yeah. off. So sometimes you don't even realize, and you have to make some sacrifices. I mean, yep. the weekend I was supposed to go to my college homecoming. So if you ever been to an HBCU uh, Black College homecoming, it's oh, huge. Crazy. I missed it that weekend because they called me in. We had the meeting, and that kind of began um, everything that's happening now. And sometimes you got to know when to sacrifice some things. Yeah. I could have said, "Nah, I need to get the homecoming. Yeah. I planned for this. This was yeah. a year." Sometimes, man, and, and I, you know, I realize whether you're dealing with it, um, you know, for yourself, relationships, whatever, sometimes you're going to make some sacrifices that other people don't understand or choose not to understand. And I say that just in general, it could be your family, it could be your significant other, it could be anybody. And you have to be okay, kind of like making that adjustment and saying that this is for the greater good. And so many things have happened. I had an opportunity on CNN, Headline News, um, just a number of things that you just can't plan. Man, bro, I, I think it was T.I. that said this a while ago. Like, man, there's people out here struggling to pay they, pay their rent, pay their uh, car note, whatever it is. And that's all right. But you going out in the club talking about spending money on popping bottles. What exactly are you celebrating? You probably need to be at home researching what your next move is. And like, just like you said, man, sometimes uh, just in, in terms of not even just that, but just there's so many opportunities, like when, even when I played basketball, where I would go to basketball practice for two hours, and then afterwards I would want to go lift and go to the gym for another hour to shoot. And people just would be like, man, but you just practiced two hours. But no, like, I, I know I got to work more. Like, yeah, I got to skip this party. I got to skip this road trip because there's things I got to do. So I, that, that's an important note for many of y'all out there. It'd be great. There may be, it's, uh, people don't understand the work that it takes to be great. Uh, people don't understand that Kobe was getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning starting his workout so he can get three workouts in that day. People don't understand that Floyd Mayweather might go to the club, but if he, one of the notorious tales of his is he would have his friends drive his Rolls Royces or whatever, and then they would leave the club and go to the gym, and he would jog miles to the gym behind his friends riding the Rolls Royces. Now, he's already a billionaire or multi-millionaire. People are like, why don't you just sit in the car and take a ride? Well, in his mind, he always wanted to see, you know, like he's chasing greatness. Even though he's already great. And like the average person's like, that's crazy. Well, you know what? A lot of times it, it takes being crazy to be great. You know, yes. so to skip to skip out on the all-star game or skip out on this party or whatever, it's Small necessary. Small sacrifices. It's necessary to be, good. Yeah. to be great, man. So... Anyway, man, how about as we close up, tell the people how they can follow you, uh, where they can listen to you at, and how they can just get some of your content. So uh, if you have uh, whatever your smartphone is, download the radio.com app and pull up V103 International out of Atlanta. Uh, We're streaming uh, everywhere, so you can pull it up on the radio.com app. Check out the station. Certainly uh, send any suggestions. You can follow me at Secret. Uh, on the gram at African Darkness on Twitter. And I also have the Wakanda ATL podcast coming. And I wanted to just say as it relates to Wakanda, we know it's a fictitious place. It came out of a comic book. And I think it's kind of interesting that this whole fictitious depiction in, in, in Africa has inspired a lot of great things because I think that that uh, single uh, moment in history because it came out in February what 2018 
um, in terms of Black Panther, it changed a lot for a lot of kids, seeing themselves as heroes and seeing what the potential of what they could be versus how we've been typically portrayed. And one of the reasons I'm in media is to help change the narrative or expand on it as opposed to it just being one way. And, um, you know, you know, follow me, check me out. I'm sure you'll see a lot of things coming sooner than later. And uh, I look forward to also, you know, maintaining and keeping a presence in the St. Louis market as well. All right, well, man, I appreciate you coming on. This we just wanted to sit here. A lot of times, guys, I I might have a script somewhat of questions I know I wanted to ask, but when you with a friend that you've been knowing for years, we just wanted to sit down and start talking. I'm happy, I'm happy with where where this podcast went. So, man, appreciate you coming on. Oh, uh, absolutely, anytime, man. Yeah. Keep supporting my brother Marcus, man. He's an awesome brother, doing some great things in this community. And I don't think that we oftentimes acknowledge uh, those things as much as we should, but we got to. And, you know, if you don't know it, sometimes you don't know where you can go get that support until it's no longer there for you. People right. say you after the fact, oh, you could have did this or you could have got it so-and-so, but, you know, we need to support uh, individuals like yourself right now uh, that are doing the good work. So continue that, man, and continue blessings. I appreciate it, brother. So make sure y'all go follow him on all social media platforms, you know, and uh, spread the word about what we're doing. If you know anybody that you think might enjoy this uh, what, this discussion we had, this podcast, make sure you share it out. Get the word out. But with that being said, man, thank you guys. And uh, we'll holler at you later. Yep. Next time. Peace. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Osei, the Dark Secret. Man, like I said, uh, I thought we, had, we, we we covered a lot of topics. And, you know, he's a very uh, well-traveled person. So hopefully you learned a lot from that. And, you know, like I said, Follow him. If you're in Atlanta, no matter where you're at, you know, internet uh, can allow you to listen to anything worldwide now. So support my man Osei. He's doing good things for uh, in Atlanta and in the community in general. So, you know, before we close out, like always, want to give a little bit of commentary. And so I want to touch back on something that we spoke about, actually, in, uh, in our conversation about giving back. You know, I hear, I ask people and I tell people that it's important to give back a lot of people say, well, I have nothing to give. You know, I'm struggling to get get by as it is. And so giving back, like we said, is more than uh, giving money. It could be giving time. It could be giving knowledge. It could be giving love to someone. You know, if there was a mentor that gave you love coming up, uh, it's time for you to give that back. Or if there was, you know, if you don't have money to give, um, it's time to volunteer in your communities. No communities are strong without people giving back and doing things that they're not being paid for, right? And so I think it's really important to remember that if you want more, you have to give more. And so I see too many people waiting, sitting back waiting to see who's going to give them what and how they're going to get a break. And, you know, one thing I have learned in life is that, you know, the more you give, the more you're going to receive. It's just the, it's just the way life works. It's karma. I don't know. You call it God. You call it karma, uh, whatever it is. I know that seems to be true for me. And so I really want to encourage you guys to get out of your comfort zone. I use that word a lot. I use that phrase like get out of your comfort zone and go give back. Give something to the youth. Um, you can give to seniors. You just give, right? Give something of yourself uh, that was not required. And so people will, you know, one thing I like to say is, you know, I like to plant seeds for trees, for trees that I'll never see the shade, right? There's other people that's going to benefit from some of my actions today. And I think that you should think the same, right? Because that's the only way that we're going to get better as a community and get better as a city and get better as a world. So please consider giving back whatever your capacity is. If you have the money, donate to a nonprofit. Donate, give to a child scholarship fund. If you don't have the uh, the financial means, 
then give your time, give your knowledge, all your experiences, whether they're good or bad. You know, your bad experiences, you can tell someone else how not uh, to make the same mistakes as you did. So we all have the capacity to give. It's just a mindset. So change your mindset. Make sure that you um, are thinking about people uh, outside of yourself, right? So as we close up, just want to remind you guys, subscribe on YouTube. We're on all the podcast platforms. And when you get this, if you like what you see, share it. You know that it doesn't hurt to hit the share button. So share it verbally, social media, whatever it takes. And uh, we're just going to keep coming back week after week and bringing in new guests and hopefully some, you know, things that you like to listen to and you learn from. So with that being said, you know, we want to be great around here, but greatness is in the details. Thank you for tuning in. God bless. Peace.